off by Chris Fielder. And he might get in. Touchdown. There he is again, scoring against Texas A&M. What do you mean, might get in? Or Kevin Murray. Yeah, there was nobody was going to touch you on that. You had uh, the flying red shoes on in the... Uh, yeah. Twenty or the uh, nineteen eighty-eight, eighty-seven Cotton eighty-seven Bowl. Cotton season. Bowl. Yes, against a very good Texas A&M team that had, I believe, three or four first-round picks. And Jackie Roger Sherrill. Vick, Rod Bernstein, mm-hmm. uh, wow. Larry Kelm, linebacker Johnny Holland, and I believe their center was a first-rounder back in the day. Put it on him though, Jim Cursadas running the option, two hundred eighty-pound quarterback. <laughs> Sorry, Jim. Very nice. Well, um, here we are on uh, Friday, cusp of the Ohio State Buckeyes opener against Florida Atlantic. High noon, Ryan Day said on Tuesday he's going to be really impacted emotionally by the fact that he's running out on the field, that Urban Meyer used to tell him at some point in the game, have something that triggers in you a check to say, man, I'm really fortunate to be coaching here. For Urban, it was the playing of hang on Sloopy. For Ryan Day, he says it'll be getting ready to run out of the tunnel. So I've got a quick Short story about Urban. Okay. And if we did, uh, uh, what I forget, we did for his first game working with us in 2011. Was it Navy? No, no, it was 2011. 2011. So it was after Navy. Youngstown State, maybe? No, it was, uh, I forget who it was. Anyway. Ohio State season opener? Yeah, it was a season Let opener. Check. Let me check, check, check on story. it and I'll tell the story. So Urban and I are in the press box with Dave Pash, and the band's coming out. And the band's marching up and down the field, and they're doing their thing and doing Script Ohio and all the cool stuff that the Ohio State marching band does. And I look over, and I see a tear coming down Urban Meyer's face. Really? Akron, by the way. Thank you. Was that? Yeah, the Zips. And, and he looks at me. He takes his headphones off, and he said, I've never seen this before. And right then wow. and there, I'm, I, 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 I swear to you this day, Bruce, right then and there, I knew, oh my gosh, he's hooked. He's hooked. He's, he's I hooked. Mean, he can't, you know, and his love for Ohio State, sure. I just think, was fulfilled on that particular day at that particular time. Now, Urban's whole thing was probably the first time when he was coaching because he was back in the locker room, obviously, when all that stuff was going on. When he heard Hang on Sloopy, which is traditionally played, I think, still at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yes. And so he told Ryan, all right, grab that moment. And Ryan's point was he thinks his moment's going to be, or maybe it was last year when he was running out on the field or standing in the tunnel, and he's going to say, oh, my gosh, I'm the head coach of the Ohio State University. And my advice would uh, be to Ryan is say to yourself, well done. Then humble yourself and go back. And, and But I would – Enjoy that moment, right? Wouldn't you? Absolutely. He He's should enjoy it. that moment. This is, uh, I mean, it's not the arrival at the pinnacle of his career. You can pick when that was, when he was named interim, when Urban was suspended. Then you knew right there if he did a good job, he was probably going to be in position to take over or if when it was when Urban retired and he was officially named or, mm-hmm. you know, spring ball when he's in the stadium for the first time as the head coach. I don't know when it is, but – uh, it's a landmark day for him. It's a landmark day in the lives of uh, his family, him too. and his family. Yeah, yeah. which is it, it's it's huge. And everybody that knew who Ryan Day was understood that this guy had a bright future. Interesting quote this week that Ryan Day never would have left the NFL 
if it uh, was not for Ohio State. Remember, Mike Vrabel tried to hire Ryan Day down as the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans, and Ryan turned him down. Now, Urban probably was able to give him a a nice little raise Mm -hmm. to keep him there, and and maybe the succession plan was in in place. Nobody knows. But Ryan Day, his main mentor, is not Urban Meyer, it's Chip Kelly. Correct. And so Urban and Chip Kelly have a tremendous relationship. So Ryan got a ringing endorsement from Chip Kelly, which then Ryan was able to make his way through the ranks from New Hampshire. Was it New Hampshire? New Maine, Hampshire, or? then went to out. Uh, well, he's with Chip there, and then Chip went to Oregon. Yeah. And Temple, Chip, right? Chip wanted to hire him at Oregon yeah. to be his offensive coordinator. And Ryan agreed to take the job. And then before he went, he was having some kind of a family event at sure. home in Manchester. And he moved around a lot because that's what you have to do when yeah. you're a young coach. And he said, I just can't do it. I, I can't move. I can't. I think it was at Boston College at the time. I can't yeah. move. So then, and this is the beginning of a bunch of like interwoven things yeah. with Ohio State and Urban and Nick Saban and Lane Kiffin, the opposite number for Florida Atlantic. But anyway, at that point, Ryan Day said, I can't go. I'm staying here. So Chip Kelly names Mark Helfrich head coach. Who's, all the, by the way, a very good play caller. And who ends up right. coaching against Urban Meyer in the 2014 National, National Champions, Championship yeah. game. Mark Helfrich. So that could have been Ryan Day. So let me just, and I've said this story many times, but those uh, first time hearing it, I know you know it, that I was probably one of 200 people that Urban asked my opinion of Ryan Day. And I said, Coach, I did a Boston College, Florida State game. It was Jameis's Winston's redshirt freshman year. Mm-hmm. And Florida State outmanned them, out-talented them. But Ryan Day kept them in the ball game by his play calling. So that's what I think of Ryan Day. That's all I know. I met him in person. We had a production meeting. Fine, nothing spectacular. Just, you know, you knew the guy was sharp and had it together. But after watching him work that Boston College game, keeping that outman team against a Bobby Bowden coach team in Florida State, and, and, and with, well, I don't know if it was Bobby or Jimbo, doesn't matter. Ryan called a great game and kept that team competitive in that game because of his play calling. Okay, so he's got the edge on Saturday against Lane Kiffin, who was 11-3 and at Florida Atlantic his first year, and then I think they won five games last year. Uh, they were bad on defense. They have a new defensive coordinator this year. What I find interesting about, Glenn the, Davis. about the Ohio State-Florida Atlantic game is this contrast in coaches. We have Ryan Day, who in at age 40 is the head coach at Ohio State. We have Lane Kiffin, who uh, Florida Atlantic – I'm not trying to demean Florida Atlantic, but you could argue it's one of, if not the worst jobs he's had. It would be considered a stepping stone job. If correct? you weren't, if you were stepping like up, up, or he's like stepping down, stepping down because here's his resume. He goes to college. He gets out of college, and one year into college, he's in the NFL. Now, why is he in the NFL? Because his father is Lane Kiffin, but I Monty Kiffin, Monty Kiffin, Monty Kiffin. Um, lauded defensive coordinator in the NFL. I'm not going to necessarily agree with you on that, but I want you to continue your One point. year out of college, he's in the NFL? His well, dad's not in the NFL Kiffin. as a guy that okay, breaks down film. Quality control guy. Yes. Okay, so then right away so he gets So was hired. Sean McVay, by the way. Okay, so right away he gets whose dad was? Sean McVay. Okay. <laughs> a long-time NFL guy. So then he's at USC the next year as wide receivers coach, and this is when they have – 
really good wide receivers. Mike Williams, Dwayne Jarrett, those kinds of guys. Okay. So then three years after that, he's offensive coordinator and passing game coordinator. Along with co-coordinator with Steve, Steve Sarkeesian. Sarkeesian. But it's a big job for a very Huge young job. guy. Then 10 years after he gets out of college, he's the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. That goes south. He and the Al Davis relationship blows up. He goes to Tennessee, and the people of Tennessee love him, and everybody in the SEC hates him because he comes in like all spit and vinegar, and he's making all these accusations, and he's going to lead Tennessee here, there, and everywhere. And then Pete Carroll leaves to go to the Seattle Seahawks, and boom, he's the head coach at USC. And this is a guy who has just, look, he's failed up. He just has. And Ryan Day is a guy who's, Look, I make the point in a story that I wrote on SportsHuli.com. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wanted. To, people wanted to read about this. Yeah. Where can this they find it? This is my it? case: is that if you love the American work ethic, you know, we work hard, you keep our head down, you do what you're supposed to do, and you don't, you're not always like it's not who you know, it's what you know. And what if you, if you what universe is that? that? Well, it used to be that way back in your dad's day and my day. It's not who you know, it's what you know. <laughs> Okay. okay. It's how hard you work. Yeah. You can make something happen. You can rise above. Um, then you, if you love that ideal, then you ought to love Ryan Day's debut. And I'm not saying Lane Kiffin shouldn't have used the connections that he had. Sure. You should. You should use all the connections that you have. I'm just saying there's a big difference between Ryan Day ascending the ladder and getting to Ohio State at age 40 and Lane Kiffin having, like, leaped to some jobs that I don't think his resume qualified him for. Well, I'm going to, do you think maybe USC, the Raiders were ahead of their time in a sense that they're hiring young head coaches? Tennessee was ahead of their time. Now, it certainly didn't work out with the Raiders. That was a train wreck. Well, let me go through all, with the Raiders, Al Davis is is desperate. He's trying something. He's try, he swings big and hopes to hit big. Right. With USC, I will give Lane Kiffin a, a bit of a pass at USC. The NCAA sanctions on USC were way too Awful. severe for what they did relative to what other schools got for doing the same thing. So I don't think the NCAA sanctions gave him a chance at USC. And at Tennessee, uh, they have to swing big, too. Tennessee fans, I just tell you. Delusional. I, I, I love you. Delusional. John Gruden is not coaching Tennessee. <laughs> and every time He's your not. job comes open, you have to stop wishing for John Gruden and you so wished for John Gruden you thought well let's go get a guy who looks kind of like John Gruden or he's kind of young and he might we could maybe if we through foggy glasses we could delude ourselves into thinking he's John Gruden you got to get over that and appears they have with the hiring of Jeremy Pruitt we'll we'll see how Tennessee performs let me say this about Lane Kiffin what I know first of all the guy understands and can coach football why do I say that well even though Monty Kiffin might have helped him get in at Tampa Bay. Once you get there, who you know doesn't help whatsoever. It means nothing. True. So you have to prove yourself. Okay, so from the NFL, he goes and works for Pete Carroll. He might have got a job with Pete Carroll by who you know. Mm-hmm. And so he wouldn't have lasted at that job or ascended to the position that he ascended to if he was a complete idiot. So obviously... He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does. And he knows what he's talking about. He wouldn't have gone from there to Tennessee if he didn't know what he was doing. He could have had Tennessee going. We don't know. He Now, remember, he left Tennessee for the prettier girl. For USC. Yes, he for did. For USC, right, to become the head coach. 
Then to the Raiders from USC? No, no. He'd already been with the Raiders. Okay. The the point being is he gets a job because when he gets in an interview room, he interviews well. He obviously understands the game. He's a really pretty darn good offensive mind. He's an interesting guy. He is. Nick Saban's not going to hire an adult to run his offense. No. Is he? And no. so my I'm point is. That. Well, here's my point. I It's a different path. But. Usually those guys are exploited by then, that he's a fraud. Well, he's never been exploited as a fraud. No, he's talented. He's a talented coach. Okay. There is, I always say two things can be true at once. Okay. He can be a really good coach. He can also just be a guy who grates on people. And here's my trump card on that. Nick Saban in Alabama. Does trump card have a different meeting? (laughs) I'm sticking with the conventional (laughs) meeting. Let's go back to the 2014 college football playoff, Ohio State and Alabama. Yeah. Lane Kiffin is the offensive coordinator at Alabama. And I think Lane Kiffin's problem is Lane Kiffin is not just happy with doing, remember Coop used to say, win the surest way? Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin not only wants to win, he wants to win the most, the way that brings the most glory to Lane Kiffin. How many times do we see him on the sideline with his hands up like this? while the ball was still in the Mm. air before it was caught. In that game, Ohio State-Alabama, first half, Bama's up 21-6. to Derrick Henry had the ball seven times. It gained like 50-some yards and a touchdown. The rest of the game, Lane Kiffin put the game on the right arm of Blake Sims. Derrick Henry got the ball six times the rest of the game. He forgot about Derrick Henry. And those kinds of things, or the kind of guy Lane Kiffin is in the office, led Nick Saban to fire him, fire him, one week before the national championship game (laughs) against Clemson, the game where Deshaun Watson led the Tigers down the field and hit Hunter Renfro with the game-winning touchdown with seconds left. Now, Mr. Spielman, I submit to you that while Lane Kiffin can be a really good coach, there's got to be something really wrong with him if Nick Saban is willing to imperil winning when a national championship. When did he fire him? Did he fire, fire him a week before he, was, the championship That wasn't game. after the Ohio State after game. After the semifinal. No, it was the next yeah. year. Okay. It was the next two years later. Two so, years later. So go back to your, your analysis. My point is, Kiffin's a really good coach. He just grates on people. He just People just get tired of so him. So maybe like, ego, for you to get fired ego gets the in week way, right? before a national championship game, you'd rather go with an interim coordinator and a new guy and all this stuff, and they didn't win that game. But Nick Saban was like, I can't even deal with you for seven more days, dude. Get out of here. So why didn't Nick Saban fire him after he didn't, only gave the ball to Derrick Henry six more I, times? I don't know. Maybe maybe he took control of the play call. Whose fault was it? That's Nick's fault. That's Nick's fault. That's a head coach's that's, fault. That's Nick Run the Saban's ball. You and I fault. say it all the time, like the Atlanta Falcons in Met, the Super Bowl. Kyle Run Shanahan the ball. and Dan Quinn. Run the ball. Right? Your head, if, run the ball. If Dan Quinn. Yeah. Is the head coach? He tells the offensive coordinator to run the ball. The offensive coordinator refuses to run the ball. That's the head coach's fault because you have an insubordinate Absolutely. offensive coordinator waiting for you or working for you. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying Lane Kiffin's perfect. He's gotten great opportunities. The only reason he gets uh, keeps getting opportunities is because he is talented. If he got fired from Florida Atlantic University on Sunday, he would have a job on Sunday night. So. Just because he's had a little bit of an easier road 
doesn't mean that the guy is not a talented guy. And just because Ryan Day has had a more difficult road, although he's 40 years old and the head coach of The Ohio State University. That's a meteoric rise. And 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 a lot of it is, first of all, he's talented. Those guys don't get jobs if, if, in the inside circles if they're not well-respected amongst their peers. Mm-hmm. Like I said, how, I don't know how many guys Urban talked to, right, about a Ryan lot. Day. A lot. And I was one of the guys that he talked to a lot. Now, my opinion probably means this much compared to other people's opinions. But I do know this, that when you get a job at 30 years old or 31 years old, it's not because of who you know. It's not because of who your dad is. You get the job because you're capable, at least on paper, of doing that job. And so there's different ways to get where you're supposed to be. Ryan Ryan Day came to work for Urban Meyer not thinking that Urban Meyer was going to have some type of brain tumor Cyst. That, or cyst, would, thank you, that would develop and would cause him to retire. And there was no guarantee that Ryan Day was going to be the next head coach of Ohio State. I was thinking, to, I was thinking on Tuesday. Because Shiano was probably be the guy or everybody's saying yeah. Luke Fickle would be the guy. We used to have these conversations at times during the Tress era where we'd say, well, who do you think you know, is going to replace Tress? And, and people would say to me, well, Daryl Hazel's going to replace Tress. And I thought, we're never going to see the day where an assistant coach replaces a head coach at Ohio State unless that Ohio State coach has won a couple national championships and he's get, really got it rolling, he steps away, and that guy who is uh, named the next coach is a guy that we perceive to be responsible for the offense being great or the defense being great. Two years ago, if we'd have said, hey, you know, if Urban's not coaching in 2019, who do you think the next head coach will be? And we'd have gone through the guys who were – killing it at the Mac level or killing it in the power five and maybe, you know, the right age to move NFL guy, NFL guy, something like that. Make a run at Vrabel. Yeah. Something like that. We, Ryan day would have not been on our radar, not been on our radar. What helped Brian day was the absence of urban Meyer last year that convinced Gene Smith and the powers to be that this guy can handle this job and do it well. So that was the, the what Urban's health issue benefited Ryan Day in his growth. Well, the suspension was what gave Ryan Day the chance to be the interim. Yep, thank you. Yeah, thank that you was very the, much. what yeah. gave him the chance to be the interim. I tried and, to put that out of my mind. You know, and I, you know, had, who suspension. knows how that would have happened if they'd have lost the TCU game. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would have gone <laughs> down. But, uh, hey, he is the guy. Uh, I asked him Tuesday. I said, "No business succeeds without a really good, detailed mm-hmm. business plan. You got to have the plan. You got to stick to the plan and work it." And I wondered if, as a young coach, if he had a plan to get to a job like this. I don't think he. Growing up in Manchester, every young coach Manchester, has a, a plan. They do, but he said, "You know, I just thought I, I, I dreamed big, and I thought if I kept working hard." And he, in his own way, um. Uh, he didn't have the Lane Kiffin magic dust on him from Monty Kiffin, but he got an affiliation with Chip Kelly early on, and then Chip Kelly's rocket yeah. took off, and that helped Ryan Day. There's no doubt about that. That, yeah. that helped Ryan Day. But again, you got to do it. Once you get the opportunity, you got to right. do it. And and for him to stand out to you at Boston College, Chip Kelly wasn't at Boston College. At I had time. no idea who Ron, Ryan Day was. You know who was the defensive coordinator there, too? It was Don Brown. Yeah. Here, one quick thing on, on how coaching is different than it was in years past. So we could say, just use the Big Ten, for example, mm-hmm. okay? In past, it would be, okay, we would have an a offensive coordinator, Jim Tressel or Glenn Mason at Ohio State. 
they would then go down, for example, sure. to go the to Mac. Mac. Mac, Trust to Youngstown State, Glenn Mason to Kent, Kansas, and then to, to Kansas Minnesota. and Minnesota. So then you would then go to your next job. Sure. So the problem that the Mac is having now, they're not getting any of their head coaches, getting a few of them, from coordinator positions in the Big Ten or anywhere else. Got to take a pay cut. They, they, yeah, exactly. Because the money is so good with coordinators yeah. that they, coordinators can't afford to leave. Like Luke Fickle couldn't afford to leave Ohio State to go coach at a Mac school. No. Because he would take, I don't know, two-thirds or at least half well, of you a take, pay cut. You take a half a million dollar haircut for sure. Yeah, and, and so they can't do that. So that's, it's, that's cha- the, the money in what they're paying coordinators, and it took a while for the Big Ten to start, finally start paying coaches what I think they should get, get paid because they're responsible. Uh, I don't know what you feel about that as far as what coordinators get paid, but the Big Ten was – I certainly could Big make Ten an argument was, they were lacking behind the SEC They as were lacking far as behind money. the SEC, and Gene Smith at one time said, we're not going to get in the million-dollar coordinator yeah, business. Right. Well, then you're not going to get in the best coordinator <laughs> no, business because they're going to go where they get paid the most. <laughs> but you have to to yeah, compete, you do, right? That's right. You and do. you look at the coaching in the Big Ten now. Is not the coaching better now than it was 10 years ago? Sure looks like it. I, I absolutely think it Although is. Although Paul Feinbaum might disagree. Paul Feinbaum this week said – if Jim Harbaugh at Michigan does not win the Big Ten this year, he will never win it. Now, I presume he's basing that on the fact that Ohio State has to play at Michigan. And I would say for the first time, Jim Harbaugh will have the more experienced quarterback in his system than Urban Meyer I has I think it's had. going to be his system, is it, this year? Yes, I don't buy. You, you're Jim not Harbaugh's. buying it. No, I'm not buying Jim Harbaugh's new giving coordinator, up new play caller. To is it Josh Gaddis is the guy's name? You're I not think. buying that, huh? No, I'm not buying that. I am. Okay. Because what Jim is doing hasn't worked. It well, hasn't I don't worked. Buy, I buy that. It definitely hasn't worked. And Jim's making How about recruit close a to tailback six million dollars. Some a year. offensive What's Jim making six million dollars? Oh, year? every bit of that. You want me to change coordinators? I'm going to change coordinators because I'm going to keep making this six million dollars a year. I think it's seven. seven what million. I have done, he's actually. I think he's hurt himself for his next job. Jim? Whether that's you think the, Jim has a next job? See, I, I disagree with people who say if he's going he wants the next NFL. job in the NFL. No, I don't think he wants a next job in the NFL. He's going to be always adored at Michigan. And I don't think he's going to get that kind of adoration in the NFL. I don't know if he's that adored right he's now. He's pretty is he? adored up there. You know, we talked about Jim can rub people the wrong way after a few years. <laughs> yes. So I heard. That's the <laughs> understatement of the day here on the Spielman and Hooley podcast. <laughs> no, I, I don't think, I mean, I don't, I don't believe what Paul says. I think Michigan's always going to be Michigan. And I think they have a very good chance this year because of a new coach at Ohio State. You have a new quarterback at Ohio State. The problem that Michigan is, has is that Ohio State is deeper and has more talent than Michigan they does. Do. And that's inexcusable from the Michigan perspective this far into Jim Harbaugh's tenure. I agree. That's inexcusable. I agree. I mean, there's no reason why Ohio State should be able to recruit the kind of kids they recruit, uh, the number of kids they recruit, and Michigan not. Uh, you can say what they want to about we're the Harvard of the Midwest whatever. or whatever. Whatever. That's what you say when you don't get <laughs> yeah. as good of players. <laughs> All right, so their defensive losses this year, their offense is going to have to carry him, it would yeah. appear, because when you don't have, you know, you don't like Chase Winovich or Rashawn Gary or Devin Bush, those are three really, three good, really college good players. players. They're young on the defensive line, super young. They're not really deep on the defensive line, and Ohio State is ridiculously deep on the defensive yeah. line. So I just don't really see. see. Uh, but, 
you know, that game, anything game. can happen. Yeah. I don't happen to believe in Shea Patterson. I thought Shea Patterson was terrible last year in the game against Ohio State. I believe in him. Okay. I think he's going to be better. What do you like about him? I just think he's an ex- uh, a year of experience in the Big Ten. I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to be more comfortable. I think he's going to be more confident. Here's the – just to go back to what Paul was saying, here's the biggest thing to me about what's the most surprising thing about Michigan football is that Jim Harbaugh has not recruited a quarterback that he has developed and developed into a very good player. No. Or – a tailback that is dominant. Maybe he'll hire Andrew Luck now as his quarterback coach. Maybe, but I mean, you Shea Patterson's a transfer from Ole Miss. Yes, he is. Jake so that, that, was that's transfer like the, from Iowa. The, the biggest, I, I think, to me, the biggest surprise is why can't he recruit a quarterback? And even a bigger surprise is why has not Michigan been able to develop one of their young quarterbacks that they've recruited over the years? That's that's the shock to me, and and. One thing I have always admired about Michigan and being a player and being uh, a viewer of those guys for many years, they've always had dominant, tough tailbacks, running backs, guys that can pound you. Yeah, who's the last one of those they had? Uh, I can't remember. Fitz Toussaint? I mean, I don't think he was a special back. How about Chris Perry? I thought Chris Perry was pretty good. Uh, I happen to like Dylan McCaffrey a lot. I like him more than Patterson, although Patterson's got more snaps and all that. And Joe Milton's a guy who showed a big arm at the end of last year against Ohio State. So we'll see. We'll see if Feinbaum is right or if uh, Feinbaum <laughs> is wrong. But um, I mean, I tend to agree that if he, I mean, if you don't get Ryan Day, they got to be tired of Ohio State making their homecoming game, don't they? Goodness, I mean, you might as well. What is it eight in a row now? Yeah, eight, nine in a row. Come on, Michigan, do your part and hold up the end of the rivalry. Skills always says you're not doing your part to hold up the end of the rivalry. Okay, uh, Rob Gronkowski press conference on Wednesday, and we 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 play this because I I I think it's similar to what players are facing now and Andrew 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 Luck Luck situation. Yeah. Um, So here is uh, Gronk, who a lot of people thought would be coming back soon. But I want to be clear to my fans. I needed to recover. I was not in a good place. Football was bringing me down, and I didn't like it. And I was losing that joy in life, like the joy. I'm sorry right now, but, oh, (laughs) dang, let me, oh. I really was, and I was fighting through it. And I knew what I signed up for, and I knew what I was fighting through. And I knew I just have to fix myself. And I believe I have the tools. I have the people around me. I have CBD, CBD medic team around me now. To- All right, here we go into the commercial. But, I mean, he's clearly emotional about what's genuine. What football, I mean, when you, when you play it at the professional level, when you play it at the elite professional level like he did, uh, it means a lot to you. And it uh, obviously was in some so, way, you know, causing him a lot of pain. I don't, I don't, physical and mental. I don't know if I've told you this. I probably have, and you know, see, acknowledge if I have. You know, playing the NFL, it's wonderful. It's a dream come true. You make good money, right? They make tremendous money nowadays, which I'm happy about because a lot of people paved the way for me to make a good living, and hopefully I paved the way for these guys to make a better living. That being said, how great the game is, it is a grind. It's a physical grind. And it's an emotional grind. Um, and it can't, and I, when he's getting emotional, I can understand what he's talking about and, and about the physical 
pain and about the emotional grind that you're under and, and playing hurt. And, you know, he's a star player and everybody's counting you on all the time. It's a lot of pressure. It's not a woe is me thing. He's just speaking truth, just like Andrew Luck spoke truth. When he Andrew's biggest quote or the, the quote that stood out to me and was most profound when he stepped down was, I am not living the life that I want to live. And yeah, that's deep. That, that's deep. That for for a guy to walk away from your dream, you know, I was I walked away from my dream. I'd still be playing if I could be playing, but that doesn't mean I acknowledge and understand completely what they're saying that it's a grind. Now I'm going to say this, and I don't know if I've said this publicly. Maybe I said it in our first podcast. I don't know. Maybe I've said it to you. Um, and my my wife now knows this. Stephanie knows this, or knew this. My kids know it. I live in pain every single day, but so did a lot of other people. And not once have I ever said, I wish I didn't play so I didn't have to deal. My pain is manageable and I get by and, you know, there's new things coming out. Rod is out there talking about CBD oil without the THC. The THC is the hallucinogen. I don't know if that works or doesn't work. I'm willing to try anything. Of course, why not? I mean, I go see all, I try anything. I go see, uh, uh, different types of uh, alternative therapies, regular therapies or more traditional therapies to deal with some of the issues that I have. But that being said, um, I still have a joyful life, but I'm able to live with pain, but a pain I haven't been I haven't been uh, handicapped by lack of strength. Yeah. Or dysfunction. I still can work out, and there's certain things I can't do physically, but I can still work out and do the things that I like to do. And I know that you, you've had a full shoulder replacement. Full right? shoulder replacement. So I'm not saying, oh, what was me, or I'm not blaming football because Gronk said there, right? He said, I know, or I knew what I signed up for. I knew exactly what I signed up for. I knew exactly what I signed up for my rookie year when a running back by the name of Carl Bernard, uh, his e his knee turned inside out. I knew exactly what I signed up for when I saw Mike Utley, a teammate of mine, become paralyzed. Then you go out the next week and do the exact same thing that the guy did to get paralyzed. Yeah. You know what you sign up for, and you know that you sign up, that you have to pay a price. I always tell if my kids see me limping around here or my wife sees me limping around. I say, hey, man, I got to pay a tax, and that's the tax that I pay, and I gladly pay it, and I would do it all over again. But I get upset at fans sometimes. When they'll look at Andrew Luck or they'll look at Gronkowski and say, what are you whining and crying about? You made a million dollars, this or that. You know, Bruce, as much as anybody, it is no fun to live in pain. No, it is not. And I'm never going to judge somebody's pain and how they handle pain because it can affect your life mentally and oh, physically. It's a, it's, it's a, it wears on you. It eats at you. Yeah, it's, no just a, it's like a slow drip. And you see that, and uh, you hear that, at least, in Gronk's voice when he's talking about that, the yeah. struggle that he had. With what do, I mean, what are your, I mean, from, from the outside looking in, you were an athlete in high school. I but, admire the people who say, I know what I signed up for. I mean, I know there's a great benefits to it, and there's a toll is exacted on it. Absolutely. Right. I mean, for me, it was like people would say, you know, if they even question, like, the shoulder thing. You know, would I not have ever played baseball and had the just the, the memories I had? No, I, it's all worth it. It's yeah. all worth it. You know, I was speaking to a high school football team at Lyndon McKinley a week ago, and um, I was talking to them about the special and unique bond of being on a team. 
And I said that in high school, I was fortunate enough to be on a couple state championship teams in cross country. And we had a reunion recently for the guys on the team. And I said, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about, you know, inside jokes we had. We talked about bus yeah. rides. We talked about <laughs> yeah. this. We talked about that. I said, you know what we didn't talk about? We didn't talk about any of the meets. We talked about friendships. We talked about relationships. We talked about the things that bonded us together. And that's what's unique about being on a team. And those are the things I think when guys are even on IR and they can't be around the team, they don't feel like they're a part of the team anymore. Yeah. That camaraderie that you have of being on, on a team is a thing that is special and unique, whether it's on the professional level, the college level, the it's high school level, the youth level. Life lessons. I couldn't imagine my life without sports or being part of a team. And, you know, that's why even up until this year, I had a rule in my house that my kids had to play a school sport, mm -hmm. something. Now, my youngest has no interest in sports, but now she has to work two jobs. So she's still part of something, mm -hmm. part of a team, whether that's at, at Starbucks or whether it's at the Bounce Club or whatever she's doing. She's going to be part of a team and understand the responsibility of being part of a team. I heard a great podcast with that same concept. Uh, Molly Fletcher, former sports agent, she does a podcast where she interviews a, uh, a game. She calls it a game changer. And the person in that podcast said in their family, they have what they call the hard thing rule. And that is everybody in the family has to do and commit to for one year, one hard thing. Learn to play the guitar, do a, you right. know, work at a job, play on a team, whatever. You can't quit it. Be a it. band, you choir. Yeah, whatever. You can't quit the activity in that year. You have to apply yourself. You have to force yourself to do a hard thing. Good lesson. You can change it the next year if you want to, but you always have to be doing one hard thing. It's a great it lesson. It stretches you. I thought it was You do really that with profound. your kids? I do. I do. You ever any pushback? Um, no, we're blessed. Our kids are good kids. Yeah. And they're a great mom. So we're very, very lucky. I, I'm not going to lie. When, when my youngest told me she wasn't interested in sports, that hurt a little bit. Mm -hmm. But then I told her, look, I'm, I'm not going to make you do something that you don't want to do, but you are going to be involved in some type of group activity. And I guess that's what we're talking about. It, it teaches you so much. It teaches you to sacrifice. It teaches you to put others first. It teaches you to just, uh, you know, you're responsible buy for, for that's right. you're responsible for, uh, responsibilities. I mean, you, you have to do certain things. You have to be there at a certain time. And one of the, one of the things that this has grown into for my youngest is that she's actually now teaching little kids how to be cheerleaders. Neat. So she's now she's coaching something. So it's, uh, it's all good. And so I, I think this, I think we cannot judge other people's pain. I can't judge Andrew Luck's pain. I can't judge Gronk's pain. I can't get in their mind and, and say, I'm done with this. I could say for myself, mm -hmm. I can say for Gronk, and I can say this for Andrew, that all three of us were blessed financially to not have that concern where there's a guy at a factory that has two knee replacements now, and he's still going to work every single day. Maybe he has workman's comp. I don't know. But a lot of people don't have the freedom that Andrew Luck had mm -hmm. or that Gronk had. And more importantly, you've heard me say this a million times that I've had to be able to make some decisions and have freedom in making choices and decisions. Yeah. All right. Uh, you can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. Catch the podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn. 
It's everywhere. Search Spielman and Hooley. You will find it. So uh, let's go to our one email. Oh, I had such a great email intro there. I feel so bad that that didn't play. It was Nick Saban. I didn't have the sound bar up. I got to wait till he finishes. The light goes off. Now, you ready to hear? This is how Nick, uh, Nick, where can I find the email? Pull it up on your little computer or Facebook or whatever, Twitter or whatever you do. Thank you. Which one are you going to use? I appreciate that. I'm going to use my computer, my little computer. And it comes from Mike in Granville who wants to know how uh, many more losses do we think Ohio State would suffer this season if Justin Fields were injured and they went with either Gunnar Hoke or Chris Chuganoff at quarterback? How many more losses? I would set the over-under on losses with Justin Fields. And they always set the over-under, you know, to make it hard to bet over it or to make it hard to bet under it. I would set the over-under at one and a half. If Fields is out, something happens, heaven forbid, against Florida Atlantic, I don't think I'd add more than a game to it. I really don't. Uh, I think it would be a different, totally different offense. It would be that, sure. And with Gunners, and I don't know about Chuganoff, but I know Gunner, and I know him well, Gunners were throwing the football. It would be a totally different offense. Um, I just think there's so much talent, and the guy that's coming in is not going to be asked, like Dwayne Haskins basically was asked, hey, go win the, win the ball game, especially the way the defense played last year. They love year. their offensive line. They said Tuesday they got four offensive tackles they really like. Yeah. They've got guards they really like. You've got J.K. Dobbins, so you can run the ball, babysit a quarterback who can throw. Ryan Day's a really good play caller. Yeah. You've got Olave I agree with and you. Hill and Mack, and, I mean, they're just – the wide receiver, they appear to be loaded. So that's why I wouldn't add the guys more than that a we game. don't even know the name of. I wouldn't yet. add more than. Well, I mean, I'm like, I, I agree spiff, with you. I could spiff Garrett Wilson and some of the other freshmen, <laughs> but I'd like to see him actually play a game first. Uh, I don't think I'd add more than one game I agree with to you. it. I agree with you. Uh, yeah, I would put it at two, two and a half, but I don't know what it is with Justin. I don't know. Until I see these guys actually. Well, the tough games really are at play. Nebraska, at Michigan, and then you got Michigan State at home, and you got Penn State at home, and you got Wisconsin at home. Those are good. Those, it's a tough place a really to win, good, man. Ohio Stadium's a tough place to win. <laughs> yeah. It's a really tough place to win. Wisconsin's Wisconsin. got a new quarterback. Penn State's got a new quarterback. You know, Nebraska, now that'll be that'll be tough. Nebraska Nebraska's last year played be them tough. Good. Really tough. You think year. about what they have coming back, um, and not to mention my nephew, but they have uh, the quarterback is back who was a true freshman last year. Yep. And many people were talking about Adrian Martinez as a possible Heisman Trophy candidate. So That's a year it's early. all good. All right. Again, email the show, SpielmanHooleyPodcast.com. Uh, we will uh, hit the NFL hard next week and uh, reflect on Ohio State's season opener against Florida Atlantic. Thanks for joining us here on the Spielman and Hooley Podcast.